You are listening to The Christian Commute, a commute-length podcast about Christian apologetics, theology, and other matters of Christian interest. Here is your host, Seth Dunn. It is Tuesday, September 5th. This is The Christian Commute. I am your host, Seth Dunn, and you are riding home with me today straight home because it's my son's birthday. I think he's five. I think so. It's my third son. After after the fourth kid, my knowledge of birthdays and ages kind, kind of tails off. But I think he's five. He's in pre-K. And he's got a September birthday. So yeah, I think he just missed the cutoff for being in kindergarten. So I want to say he's five. We're going to have cake and presents for him. Your guess as what is your guess is as good as mine as to what his his birthday present is. My wife handles that stuff. And I got a present for you, the same free present. I don't aren't all presents free. The same present I give you guys every Tuesday. And that's a Christian commute. And it's a full show. It's a full Christian commute. Because I had two people come through with three questions. And you know what that means. That means we're going to have full shows all week long. We're going to wrap up our Grave to Cradle series today. Grave to Cradle series. We're talking about kids' ministry. Grave to Cradle kids' ministry. And I guess I could have split it up between the kids' ministry, which would have been like kindergarten through fifth grade, and the pre-K ministry. But really the pre-K ministry, as wonderful as it is, is just holding babies. Holding babies and having the room for the, the pre-K kids to play. There's very little Bible lessons that, that are done. I mean, there's the singing of the songs, God loves me, God loves me, but I'm just gonna, I'm gonna put that all in one big area below youth ministry and call it kids ministry. And we'll wrap up the Grave to Cradle series. Today's question in the inbox is about church staff and deacons. That's what it's about. And as always, we have the Bible chapter review. We're in Matthew chapter 24. We're doing verses 25 through 28 today. And Jesus is talking about, as we've discussed, still, the second coming. Signs of his return, as well as the coming destruction of Jerusalem, which is going to happen at two separate times. So Jesus is talking about a tribulation to come, disasters that can be expected. And he says, and he talks about false Christ. Like, watch out. People are going to say there's false Christ, false prophets. They're going to try to deceive, if possible, even the elect. He's warning them about that. Behold, I have told you in advance. So if they say to you, behold, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. Or behold, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe them. For just as lightning comes... From the east and flashes as far as the west, so will be the so the coming of the Son of Man will be. Wherever the corpse is, the vultures will gather. 
So because all these tribulations and disasters are happening, people are going to be nervous. They're going to be looking for the Messiah. And, and false prophets and false Christs are going to arise. So it's it's time and I'm him. Or it's time and he's him. Go out of the wilderness and find him. Just like people used to try to go out into the wilderness to hear John the Baptist. Or no, no, he's in the inner rooms here in the city. No, no, no. Jesus is saying, nope. I'm telling you in advance that deception is coming. Don't believe the people who are trying to deceive you. And the message that he's trying to convey here is the coming of the Son of Man is going to happen so fast like you didn't even see it coming. It's, it's right on you when it happens. He's going to, in the later verses, he's going to talk about it's just going to be like in the days of Noah. Everybody's living their life and boom, blood. He's saying like, like when there's a storm in the east, so you hear a storm coming from the east and all of a sudden lightning's flashing in the west. The storm's on you before you even know it. And this is sort of a, a macabre uh, example. Not necessarily an example, but a macabre metaphor or analogy. Is this a metaphor or analogy? I don't know. I think it's an idiom. How about that? A macabre idiom. <laughs> Where the corpse is, the vultures will gather. It's like, when you see the vultures, that's how you know something's dead. Boom, they're right there on it. So you see the vultures circling in the sky, and then you see them uh, gathered on the ground in a group. They're not doing that until something is dead. And <laughs> that's how it's going to be uh, when the Son of Man comes. Boom! Here's boom! Right there. Like John Madden. Boom! John, You guys remember John Madden? Boom! Right there, Pat Summerall. It's boom! It's on them. The corpse is on the ground, and there the vultures are. It didn't take the vultures a month or two to get there. They're there once that corpse is there. That's what that's what vultures do. Sort of like the same thing with a lightning. Here comes the storm. Bam! The lightning's all over the sky. The sun. The coming of the Son of Man is going to be so fast that it's not going to be somebody. Oh, I come out into the wilderness and see him. Yeah, you got time. Plan it out. That's not how it's going to go down. And we'll talk a little about, a bit more about how it's going to go down, Lord willing, next time on the Christian Commute, which should be Thursday. Today feels like a Monday, but it's not because it was a holiday weekend. Tomorrow is Wednesday, and there won't be a Christian Commute because I'll be at home. All right. Let's see here. Here's the question in the inbox. Do you have a question about Christian theology and apologetics? If you do, you can write to SethDunn88 at gmail.com. That is SethDunn88 at gmail.com. Or you can dial 470-315-0875. The Christian Commute is your theological roadside assistance. And I have a question in the inbox today. Question in the inbox today. 
I think this guy has never written in before. Oh my gosh, this handwriting is messy. Is it Walter? I feel so bad if he's the first time he's ever he's ever written in, and I can't. I, can't, I think I wrote Walter from Southern California, and this guy is an elder in an evangelical free church. That's an evangelical denomination. That's not a mainline denomination. I believe they're Baptistic and less Calvinistic than Baptists. I think they're more on the quote-unquote free will side, just so you know. Uh, But very similar to my theological background as far as this denomination goes. EFCA, Evangelical Free Will Church. I think that's EFCA's. Is that the Evangelical Free Will? Evangelical Free Church? I'm pretty sure it is. Evangelical Free Church in America. And this is his question. What is the relationship between deacons and church staff? What is the relationship between deacons and church staff? So here's here's the thing. It's whatever the church wants it to be. Here's why. Because there's no such thing as church staff in the Bible. So we can have an understanding of the relationship between elders and deacons and then elders in the congregation and deacons in the congregation because those are offices with qualifications that are prescribed in scripture or prescribed sorry prescribed in scripture in other words the church churches are supposed to have elders and deacons per the bible the elders have oversight of the church. They are tasked with shepherding and teaching and generally looking after the church members. Oh, that's what over episcopos, overseers, it's oversight. Appointment. Pastoring, shepherding. Presbyteros, elders. That's we're talking about. The, the, so we want experienced, wise men who are able to teach, and they're looking after the church, and they have a level of authority doing this. Okay, deacons likewise serve the church, and that's why likewise their qualifications are similar. But deacon is not an office of authority. It's an office of caretaking. They are looking after the physical needs of the church. So you might say, very simplistically, that the elders are looking after the spiritual needs of the church while the deacons are looking after the physical needs of the church. Do you have some shut-in and somebody needs to go help the shut-in? deliver the shut-in, some dinner, take the shut-in to the doctor, mow the shut-in's yard, something like that. That's what the deacons would be doing, visiting people. Looking after the people who need the food distributed to them. And I've already marched into 21st century territory. I don't think they had yards, and I don't think they mowed them in the first century. Because they didn't have mowers. At best, you got a goat out there eating it, eating the grass. (laughs) 
And now we have Social Security and Meals on Wheels. How often are deacons visiting shut-ins to make sure that they're getting an allotment of food? Does your church have a quote-unquote list? The Bible talks about widows being put on a list. But you can imagine deacons doing some kind of service. And they're in a position of trust looking after others. But they're not in a position of authority. I don't know how it is in Southern California, Walter. But around here in the Southern United States, there's a lot of Baptist churches that have deacons, boards of deacons acting like elders. And that's not how it's supposed to be. So we see that relationship between the deacons and the elders. The elders have authority and the deacons are uh, servants. And that's literally what the word means, diakonos, servant. Literally what it means in the Greek. Diakonos means servant. They're serving the church. It's not a position of authority. So you could think of the things that a deacon would be tasked with doing. Like the physical maintenance of a church. Something as simple as changing a light bulb. Mowing the churchyard. I've already brought that up. Maybe painting the Sunday school room when it gets a little old. And by the way, anybody can do this. Some, some churches have church cleaning days <coughs> and church maintenance days. And Walter has observed that church staff people are doing a lot of this. Church staff people. So I don't know how big his church is, but let me give you an example of something that I noticed once. Because I've thought about this before, and I think I've even maybe talked about it on the Christian commute before. I went to seminary at the North Georgia campus of New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. And that campus is, uh, I don't want to say headquartered, housed, hosted, hosted is the best word, is hosted at Johnson Ferry Baptist Church in Marietta, Georgia. So Johnson Ferry is a really big church in Marietta. Their educational building is three stories tall. And they have lots of classrooms. And they're really nice. So what are you going to do there throughout the week with all your open classroom space? Well, what they do is they host homeschool co-ops. And they host uh, an extension center of the seminary. So good for them. And I used to go there, like maybe on some Saturdays or some evenings, to attend seminary classes. And Johnson Ferry Baptist Church, like many other churches, has a blue million staff people, staff people and pastors. All right, they got all kinds of secretaries and pastors of every age group. But you know who they also employed? They have they have janitorial staff, and this is a legit janitorial staff. These guys are wearing the Dickies work pants. And then a button-up shirt with a name tag with their name on it. They have uniforms. Johnson Ferry Baptist Church, you know, Joe, Leon, whatever their name is, sewed on to their shirt. And I remember seeing those guys, and I'm like, yeah, what do we got, $100,000 worth of payroll here? Why? Why? What, do you not have deacons at this huge church that you have to hire people to be the janitorial staff? You have to do facilities maintenance? And then I thought to myself, well, yeah, you do. 
because the deacons at this giant church probably have nine to five jobs and you have such a large expansive facility here that you have to have a custodial staff at this point. Now you think about these guys, what are their qualifications? They don't have to have any spiritual qualifications at all. They're just janitors. Now I met, they were nice guys. I met them. But did they meet the qualifications specified for deacons in the pastoral epistles? I, I don't know. and I don't think it matters because they're just there to clean. They're, they're W-2 employees is what they are. In the first century, you're not going to have church buildings like you'd have at Johnson Ferry Baptist Church. It just wasn't the economics of it. That wasn't the setup of it. And the church is ultimately people. It's ecclesia. The church is the people, not the property. So deacons are primarily tasked with taking care of people. But you can see, since they're in a service role, that they could be tasked with taking care of the property, too. And in a lot of churches, they do. Because you're thinking you got a one-story church house with maybe a little fellowship hall. It might have a graveyard. You know, some of them might have a softball field. But the bigger you get as far as church facilities go, the more of a likelihood that you have staff that are what I'll call non-ministerial. Non-ministerial staff. I'll give you an example from where I go to church. I go to First Baptist Church of Cartersville. They have a big building. They just built onto it. There's a lady who works there. Her title is Director of Operations. And then I think there's a facilities manager too. What do these people do on a day-to-day -day basis? I don't know. I've never asked. They probably make sure the insurance bill gets paid. They probably make sure that the landscapers come and are scheduled. And the, the custodial service and the tech support guys come in to run the, the network for the cameras and the internet and whatnot. And the, they, they have support staff. I think one of them has an assistant. If you work at church, you got an assistant. It's just how it goes. But none of these people are proper ministers. They're W-2 employees. And I don't think that they really give any concern to their qualifications as far as spiritual qualifications go. So what, you, what Walter's noticed and what I've noticed is there's probably a lot of overlap you have staff people who are being hired as W-2 employees to do what deacons are tasked with doing in the modern church economy. I'll give you another example. This one would be somebody who's a minister. Do you have a minister of pastoral care? Or a, what you might, I'm not, I'm not going to say a benevolence pastor, but a care pastor. And this is the pastor we talked about this guy, or minister, sometimes he's called a pastor, sometimes he's called a minister, but he's somebody who's on staff, he's a, he's, a, he's a paid employee, and it's his job to go visit all the old people, look after them. Isn't that what the deacons are supposed to be doing? So you do see some overlap there, 
And this is where we get into this grave to cradle series we've been doing. Maybe it's what precipitated Walter's question or made him think about it is we got this minister of pastoral care or pastoral minister of old people care, whatever you want to call him, and he's the, he's visiting people. Why aren't the deacons doing that? Shouldn't the deacons be doing that? And that's where he gets to what is the relationship between them? And I can't tell you what it is because you don't have there's no such thing as staff people in the Bible. We know the elders are worthy of double honor so that, yeah, if somebody's working as an elder and taking his time to do that where he could be going out and working a full-time nine-to-five job or being entrepreneurial, whether back in that day the guys were lawyers or blacksmiths or farmers or whatever they did. I mean, the jobs then are some of the same jobs we have now. But whatever that guy, could he could have spent his time that first century guy, that elder, who's worthy of double honor, he needs to be, he needs to have remuneration for his services because he's got to support his family. We get the idea that the deacons aren't getting paid. They're just there serving, but they don't have the same level of responsibility. Part of their church life is that service. And you see that here and there and you have a lot of deacons here retired guys and they'll just be going around the church fixing stuff and looking after people so you've noticed what I've noticed too Walter is that staff people are doing things that typically the deacons would be responsible for doing and I'll say this if there's deacons in your church and they're not doing these things you have a problem now, if your church is so huge where it has these facilities that need to be maintained and your deacons are present and doing things, they just can't do it all, I guess it's okay to hire staff people to do it. But be careful that your church is not hiring staff people to perform the roles that deacons should be doing or that pastors should be doing. And that gets tricky because pastors are supposed to be paid, right? And let's just uh, let's just transition right in seamlessly to grave to cradle kids. You got a kids ministry, right? And this is probably something they wouldn't have had in the first century too, which is on-site daycare at church. You just have you know, a million babies. So you got a mom sitting there in church. She's got one on the breast and then three or four next to her sitting there. You know, because they had a lot of kids back then. I don't think they had some separate nursery room. But if there was, I can't imagine that they would have hired a preschool director to do it. Or that they would not have had a children's director to do children's worship. It would have sort of been like we have now. So think about this now. You've got any number of Sunday school classes. And you have people teaching those classes. Those are just non-staffed lay people. And if they did have a separate teaching time for the kids, it would probably just be the lay people. There was no staff in Bible times. But we've developed into that because we have this culture, uh, cu- uh, customer, CRM, customer relationship management mindset and the children's ministry is a huge part of that it's another loss leader 
which is one supposed to evangelize the kids and teach them Bible stories so that they can grow up and be Christians and continue in church. And two, this is the other thing it does, is it attracts people to church and keeps them there. And I, I can't think of more duality in any other ministry than I can think of in the kids' ministry. Because it is one, at once it is super important and very biblical to train up a child in the way they should go. The first responsibility falls on the parents to do discipleship seven days a week. But also part of that is taking your kid to church and having the church corporate teach, teach your child the, the ways of Scripture, the ways of the Bible, what it is to be a Christian, and evangelize that child. So you think of kids' ministries, just the kids' Sunday school, and how important that is to teach them those basic Bible stories of Adam, Noah, and Abraham, and Joseph, and everything that's going on in Genesis. Basic Bible stories, where we came from, how we are, who we are, and then teaching them the gospel, the life of Jesus, what he was doing with the 12 apostles, and ultimately evangelizing those children. That's so important. It needs to be a part of every church. And good for the churches that are operating that kids' ministry. And you can throw Vacation Bible School into that too. But then there's another half of, of kids' ministry that's absolute pure garbage. And I'm going to say that's the quote-unquote kids' worship time. When they're, they're having just, just a bunch of songs and flashing lights to a group of people who are mostly unregenerate. And the purpose of it is to entertain them. And the entertainment purpose is to make them want to come back. Make it fun. I talked about theme days a few weeks ago. A lot of kids' ministry out there, and this is what you need the directors for. The paid directors. Is about making it fun and having a program the kids want to come back. Who's bringing these kids? Their parents. Daddy, daddy, daddy. Mommy, mommy, mommy. Are we going to church on Sunday? Well, I don't know, son. I stayed up pretty late last night drinking beer and watching college football. I'm not really interested in going to church. But daddy, 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 mommy, 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 so-and-so is going to be there, so-and-so is going to be there, and we're going to have the whipped cream party day, and it's, we wear our pajamas and funny hats, blah, daddy, 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 mommy, 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 and I get a Jolly Rancher every time I memorize the Bible verse, daddy, 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 mommy, mommy, mommy. Okay, son, we'll go. And then you get those parents in. My wife went to the fair last night, the county fair. They have the what's called the Pioneer Days on Labor Day weekend in Cartersville. And a bunch of carnies descend upon one of our public parks and assemble all manner of rides. And there's funnel cake and there's lemonade. And my kids love to go. What do you think the chances are that me and my wife are going to go drop 100, 200 bucks on that fair if we are childless? Those chances are 0%. We're not going to go. Okay. And just being really extreme and hyperbolic, kids' ministry is basically pigeon forge. When you're trying to get to Gatlinburg and the Smoky Mountains to have some, like a scenic 
winter-esque family vacation. You're gonna you're gonna hike in the mountains and enjoy the cool weather, but you gotta drive through Pigeon Forge to get there. And there's go-karts and arcades and laser tag and museums of the shaped like gorillas in the Titanic. And there's dinner shows. And there's every way to get your money before you get to Gatlinburg and ultimately the Smoky Mountains. That's what a lot of kids' ministry is. It's entertaining little unregenerate goats. And you have to hire a kids' director to do that. I can think of no bigger waste of money at a church. Waste of money in my opinion. Not waste of, for, As far as lost leadership goes, you recoup those people easily. When the kids bring in their parents and their parents start tithing and giving money, uh, they pay for themselves in a heartbeat. I'm talking about a waste of money as far as theological thinking and actual ministry goes than a kid's minister. Kids ministry, they're like the cruise ship entertainment for kids. Like You know when you go on a cruise and you're an adult and you're like, all right, I want to have fun on this cruise as an adult. I want to sit by the pool and drink and go on excursions. And what I don't want to do is look after my annoying kids. That's not me. That's somebody else. I've never been on a cruise and I don't, I don't drink. But you know what? I don't want to look... <laughs> If I want to relax, I don't want to look after my kids. They could be pretty annoying. So what you do here, kids ministry, entertain my kids for an hour while I sit in here. Now for me, I'm like, here, kids ministry, partner with me in educating my kids for an hour. Teach them about Joseph and Noah and and was it Zacchaeus in the tree? And sing, what is this little song about Zacchaeus sitting in the tree? Teach a little song about Zacchaeus sitting in the tree. What I don't want to walk in there and find is flashing lights and dancing around and who can win the most candy for memorizing Bible verses. As if, listen, memorizing a Bible verse is its own reward. And like I said, there's a mixture. Now, a lot of churches are going to have a preschool director too. And and listen, that, that, I think that's a safety thing because there's so many, there's so much concern and regulation on keeping children safe nowadays. When I was a kid, when I was like three years old, here they drop me off in the nursery and then they come grab me later. Like now, there's a computer system where you gotta type in your name. And you get a claim check for your child. You put a sticker on their back and you keep the sticker. And then there is a locking door with a key card that there's somebody literally guarding the door. And you walk by and then there's the room where you drop them off and there's two people in every room. And then you got to get them back. You have to go back by the security door because times change. The bigger you get, by the way, if you go to Podunk Baptist Church, you might have one a nursery full of kids. How about this? If you go to the the Presbyterian church in town, the PC, PCA church in Cartersville, there's just one room back there for the kids because it's a little church. I, I've never counted more than 20 or 30 giving units in that church. But if you go to a big church like I go to, there's a bunch of kids and you've got to keep them safe. There's fire safety. There's germ safety. There's all kinds of safety and you need a preschool director and all those staff people, and it's usually a bunch of women, good. It's not people who are trying to be pastors, and they're just looking after the kids. And 
I have generally found those people to be wonderful people. And yes, they're parent volunteers too. I think everybody's favorite job is to volunteer in the nursery and sit there and rock babies. Okay. But when you move into the kids' ministry, now they're up moving around. They could talk and be talked to. You've got to do something. And that's where Sunday school becomes so important. And it, I think, personally, it's a shame that they've developed this whole idea of kids' worship which I think comes from the whole idea of having an A hour and a B hour when churches get so big they have to have two services. I think in a, I think if you've got a church where you just have one service, you're going to have a Sunday school hour and a service hour, and you might not have this. And there's degrees of this too. There's children's church, which is just another broad lesson, uh, dumbed down for kids, if you will. But there's a lot of kids' church out there that would, that would be my own personal version of hell. You know in Greek mythology when Sisyphus has to roll a rock off a, up a hill because he was lazy and Tantalus has to stand under a fruit tree and he can't grab a fruit and that's like their personal hell. My personal hell would be trapped in a youth or a kid's worship time when a bunch of goats are, are singing Lecrae and dancing around. That's the, my personal hell. Is church for the unregenerate. And it's like, it's party time. And unfortunately, that teaches kids that church is party time and fun time and not learning time and worship time. And they said, well, this is kids' worship. Really? How are, th this room is 80% unregenerate. I'm just throwing out a number. This room is 80% unregenerate. How are, we going to wor how are they going to worship? They're at enmity with God. They're still in their sin. Yeah, I know they're just kids. They're not out fornicating and doing drugs. But they're a little unregenerate. They're a little unregenerate things. You fashioned a worship service for them. How's that work? How, Dr. Phil, how's that working out for you? When the bank account it's working out really good because you're you're getting their parents. And and guys, have you noticed this? This goes hand in hand. The same churches that are having party time kids worship or singing Bethel and Elevation for the unregenerate or barely regenerate lukewarm adults that show up and want to be entertained. But, I'm going to tell you this. Kids ministry and youth ministry are how they get you. They make it, they make it fun for your kid to make your kid want to go. And how are you going to tell if your church is doing it right? Quote, unquote, doing it right. Well, how about this? Is their kids' ministry intended to partner with the parents in discipleship, education, and evangelism? And, and there's no KPI. There's no metric of success for keeping it fun or how many people you're attracted. Whoever comes, comes. The purpose of the kids' ministry is for the adult church members and visitors who are already there, who are just coming because it's the right thing to do. Or, is your kids' ministry a lost leader designed to be fun? And that kids' director is one about eye-walking professions. Because I, I think the more false professions come out of the kids' ministry than any other area. We're going to get some. We're going to get some false professions as long as they're professions, and then we're going to have party time. 
And are the meetings about your kids' ministry ball? How can we get more people to come? How can we engage the kids? And we're not going to call it entertainment. We're going to call it engagement. How can we water down the lessons? Okay. One thing you should be doing to minister your kids is to the children at your church is teaching them what to expect in church. You know what the best way the best way for that uh, to do that is just to take them to the big service, quote unquote big service. I get that some kids are not mature enough and can't sit still enough for quote unquote big church. And there's there's going to be a place to <laughs> going to confine those children, house those confine them, keep them busy. I get it. But the goal should be to have those kids, especially the ones who've made a profession of faith, in the big service with their parents, getting the same lesson as everybody. That should be the goal. If the goal is party time, you're, you're doing it wrong. Here's, here, this is me personally. This is what I do. Okay, This is a show up generally, grave to cradle. This is what I, but this is what I do. I go to church in the morning. It when it starts at nine. God, can we? I think it's nine fifty. Can we? Hey, can we bump that back to nine thirteen? If any of the powers that be are listening, I mean, sorry, nine thirty. Can we bump that to nine thirty? That'd be great. Bump. I, I'm willing to go to the Mexican restaurant fifteen minutes later after the second service lets out. But I would love it if we could bump Sunday school from nine fifteen to nine thirty. That, that'd be great. So I take my kids to the Sunday school classes where they learn about Jesus and Joseph okay, at, at 9 o'clock. And then when it's over, I go get them. They have some kind of second hour thing for them. I get my kids and I take them with me. And it will either be to my second hour Sunday school class or big church. That's how I do things. That's how I think everybody should do things. But we're all with priesthood of all believers, right? You guys can decide for yourself. You have soul competency. <laughs> it is really hard in today's evangelical climate to hold on to these Baptist ideals and distincts of like priesthood of all believers and soul competency. Because I feel like there's a lot of soul incompetent people surrounding me in evangelical culture. Because I see what they're studying from Lifeway and I see what they're singing and I'd be like, maybe you're not competent. I don't know. But if you go to one of these customer relationship management churches, get the kids and you'll get the parents. And I've, as I've said before with disgust, John Bassanio in Pastor's Handbook says, get the kids and you'll get their parents. That's what the seminary textbook says. Don't tell me there's not churches out there doing it. And it's up to you at your own individual church to judge the mindset. See if you're doing your kids' ministry right. And you bet. Listen, you better get the kids in the kids ministry, all right? Because the world, 
like I said a couple episodes ago, is going to try and twist and turn them. And please make your kids' ministry worthwhile. You guys, I've talked about this before on the show. Like, I like to go to Wednesday night church dinner. It's an enjoyable time with my family. I like to do that. But I also like to get a whole field on uh, for soccer practice. So I do my soccer practice on Wednesday, which means that sometimes, like, I miss church on Wednesday night. Don't worry, it's still going on Sunday. But uh, sometimes I'll miss kids for Wednesday. And we've got a scrimmage. Uh, plan for Wednesday, and I some some people that I go to church with, their daughters on my team, and she is awesome. Well, you know, we talk about fellowship players on this program. Like, there's people you have to have on your teams because you go to church with them. That's not no. This girl's awesome, <laughs> really good. This is not on my team just because she goes to church with me. And we're having a very important scrimmage tomorrow, and she wanted to play, and they were going to go to church. And the, the class that her parents are going to at church is really good. The guy teaching it is really good. I don't know what the kids are doing. I've seen the kids do flag football, and I've seen the kids do royal ambassadors. I have no idea what they're doing on Wednesdays for kids because I haven't been there. I mean, I think they do kids' choir. I have no idea what they're doing. But, but I said, you know, give me my player. I'll give her a Bible lesson after soccer practice. That'll be just as good, if not better. So here's just another little thing, a little addendum when we're talking about kids' ministry. Because it happens on Sunday and Wednesday. And, you know, it happens with camps and trips. What are the kids doing? Let me over, Hyundai. Why are you going so fast? What are the kids doing on Wednesday night? Are they being released to more recreation or more play? Or is it some kind of, is it a, they're there for an hour, is it a 45-15? They do 15 minutes of Bible lessons and 45 minutes of... Four, four square and flag football? I don't know. Is there anything wrong with four square and flag football? Absolutely not. They're both great. But I'm going to tell you this. like, If you're doing recreation time at church, let me raise my hand as the, rec- as the soccer coach and also the basketball coach. and well, I'll coach whatever they let me. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll go. I've never played the cross before. I'll coach the cross. Hit him with a stick. And it's that simple. It's all about enthusiasm. We can do that better at the baseball. If you just want to have fun, come to the baseball field. Okay? But a lot of these guys at the baseball field, they can't teach you Bible. So if you're in church, especially for the kids, teach them some Bible. Okay? But a lot of times, teaching kids the Bible, is some of them are not going to want to do that. Some of them are going to eat it up and they want to have it. And they're going to love it. Why? Because they're regenerate. They really accepted Christ as their Savior and they're hungry for His Word. But if you have a kids' ministry which is 80% unregenerate, you have 80% of people who are not hungry for God's Word. And you guys are going to have to reconcile that for yourselves at church. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And As for me and my house, uh, I'm going to pluck my kids uh, out of the kids' worship and take them with me. And I've I'm taking him with me to soccer on Wednesday nights. Because it, here's the thing. You will never find me at a... Me, this is me personally again. You will never find me at a church because of an attractional kids ministry. 
Now, if a kid's ministry is bad, like, that's the reason you won't find me there. I will, like, no, I'm, no. You got arts and crafts and, 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 and playtime, but no Bible. I'm not doing that. You got a rave party. I'm not taking you and my kids to a rave on Sunday morning or any other morning. Like you'll definitely see me get far, far away from a church if they don't have a good kid Sunday school. Definitely. But I'm not the kind of person who's like, let me, let me see who serves my youth kids and let me let, let me see who, who 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 can CRM me the best. And I guess that's the way to end this series about grave to cradle. And now I'm talking about you, listener. Are you at your church because they're CRMing you? Or are you at your church because of a covenant relationship with like-minded believers who are doing the ordinance and worship, etc., etc., right in a biblical way? And if your church is CRMing people, stop it. Thanks for listening to The Christian Commute. I hope you enjoyed this series of Grave to Cradle. As always, I will be back with you again Thursday. I say as always. I miss half the Thursdays. Maybe Thursday. Who knows? Maybe my dog runs away again. Maybe I decide I want to go to Chatsworth Pizza Hut. Who knows? But I, I do hope, Lord willing, I'll be back with you again Thursday with a brand new show topic. If I can think of one. We're over 1,400 shows now. I want to say this is like 1,404. I'm not sure. Thanks for listening. I'll be back with you again Thursday, Lord willing. And as always, remember Christianity is not about getting saved. It's about being saved. Now here's my my wife sharing the gospel on the outro. Get saved if you ain't got saved. Thanks for listening to The Christian Commute. Please send your questions about Christian apologetics and theology to SethDunn88 at gmail.com If you are not a Christian, please remember that you can be reconciled to God through the shed blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Repent of your sins now and accept Jesus as Lord. God bless.